Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. In this audio, I am going to cover Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26. I'm going to entitle this, Walking in the Spirit and Not in the Flesh. Our context is this, in the first 15 verses of Galatians 5, Paul talked about freedom in Christ as opposed to slavery under the law. So we will continue now, starting in verse 16, Galatians 5. I say then... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now, when he says, I say then, he's referring back to verse 13. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you were called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Then verse 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So in verse 13, he says, to guard against antinomianism, you're free, but don't use your freedom to, to carry out the desire of the flesh. And then he says in verse 16, how do you not carry out the, out the desire of the flesh? You walk by the Spirit. Now, walking by the Spirit, by the way, is the same thing as living by the Spirit. In fact, NIV translates walk as live, live by the Spirit. The present tense there, as the NIV study Bible points out, shows habitual conduct. In other words, let your life be habitually characterized by walking in the Spirit and not carrying out the desires of the flesh. Now here we have the spirit and the flesh placed in opposition to one another. There's lots of oppositions in the writings of Paul. Here's some common contrast. Here's some bad things. Law, works, flesh, sin and death. Here's some good things. The promise, Holy Spirit, grace, righteousness, and life. Now it's kind of interesting how you can tie these things together. I'm going to try tie a few of them together as we go through this audio, but the good thing, the promise as opposed to law and works, as we've seen in previous chapters in Galatians, law on one hand, promise on the other, that's the promise to Abraham, which is exercised by faith and not according to works. Then we have the Holy Spirit, which is opposed to the works of the flesh, and that we have that here in verse 16, I just read, I say, then walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So there you have Holy Spirit opposed to flesh. Then we have grace as opposed to law. Galatians 6.14, for you are not under law, but you are under grace. Let me read that verse to you completely. Romans 6.14, for sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. So there you have law and grace contrasted with each other. And then we have righteousness and life, which is opposed to sin and death. And all of those contrasts can be summarized up this way. Law, no, grace, yes. Law and grace, fundamental problem of the scripture. You, you solve that problem plus the problem of money and the problem of how to deal with the opposite sex. And you have 99.99% of all your problems taken care of in this life. Well, now let's look at some scriptures that illustrate Galatians 5.16, the opposition of the spirit and the flesh. Galatians 5.25 which we'll get to in just a minute. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. Romans 8, 2 through 4, Because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So there you have the Spirit, life in Christ Jesus, the good contrasted with sin and death. And when he says law of sin and death, he means the Mosaic law. Verse 3 in Romans 8, What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh. There you have law and flesh hooked together, two bad things hooked together, 
the law was limited by the flesh. God did what God, but the law couldn't do because it was limited by the flesh. God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in flesh like ours under sin's dominion, under sin's domain, and as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So in Romans 8, 4, we have a contrast between flesh and spirit. In Galatians 5.16, our verse, we have a contrast contrast of flesh and spirit. Let me read Galatians 5.16 again. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So that's a fundamental contradiction in the Word of God, the, con- the contrast between flesh and spirit. Now notice that Paul says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That means accomplish it. That does not mean you're not going to be tempted by the flesh. You remember Martin Luther's famous analogy. He said, I can't help it if birds fly over my head, but I'm not going to let them nest in my head, in my hair. So there is a distinction. And a lot of times Christians will feel guilty because they're tempted. Listen, if you get tempted by something and the thought crosses your mind, just banish the thought. Crucify the works of the flesh with the Holy Spirit. Say, I'm not going to do that. But don't feel guilty because you got tempted by it. As John Gill and Jameson Fawcett Brown say, it doesn't mean that Christians will never feel the attractions or the desires of the flesh. It just means that Christians will be able to stop those attractions from maturing and producing bad fruit. Here's a quote from John Gill. Quote, they, meaning Christians, they should not fulfill or perfect the lust of the flesh, should not give up themselves entirely to the power and dictates of the flesh, so as to be under it and at its command, and be obedient servants and slaves unto it. For in this sense only, such that our spiritual do not commit sin, they do not make a trade of it. It is not their constant employ or course of conversation. In other words, they don't habitually sin. They might be attracted by it. I mean, there's a difference between trying to do your Bible study and the algorithm puts up, puts up a woman in a bikini, which happens all the time on my Bible study websites. And they say, oh, I wish they wouldn't do that. And, you know, you're tempted to look at it. That's the difference between doing that and getting on a porn site and looking at it 10 hours a day. That's the difference. If you can get look at it, oh, I'm tempted, and then turn your eyes, well, then you beat it. You beat the sin. Because you ain't going to do that without the Holy Spirit. Let's move on now to Galatians 5.17. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. They are opposed to each other to each other so that you don't do what you want. What is the for therefore? It's referring to the previous verse. It shows the reason why walking in the spirit will not carry out the desires of the flesh. The previous verse was verse 16, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the, the desires of the flesh. Why? Because the flesh desires what is against the spirit. So that means if you want to avoid the flesh, you will have to walk in the spirit. And the spirit desires what is against the flesh. They're opposed to each other. So that opposition is repeated from verse 16. Flesh and spirit are opposed to each other. The NIV has in conflict with each other, which makes it sound more like a war than my Holman Christian Study Bible translation does. Opposed Christian Study Bible and in conflict with NIV. So I like the NIV a little bit better. It shows that war that's going on. Now, this is a good thing to remember when you try to keep the law with your flesh. I'm going to be a good little boy. I'm not going to look at naked women. I'm not going to be jealous of somebody who's making more money than me or whatever. I'm not going to be angry at this person. 
You are waging war against the Spirit of Christ when you do that because the flesh desires what is against the Spirit and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. The two are in constant opposition to one another and you can't beat the desires of... You cannot beat sin by using your flesh. It doesn't work. The Holy Spirit can beat sin. In fact, the Holy Spirit wants to beat sin and you should allow the Holy Spirit to beat sin in your life but you forget about doing it on your own not going to happen. Why? Because the law, which operates under the flesh, arouses sin, as we know from Romans 7. Now, Paul says here that the spirit and the flesh are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. Now, that implies that doing what you, you, you know something in your head that you want to do, and then you use your flesh to do it. But then you don't do what you want to do. Again, that's why it's so deadly to try to keep even the, the commands of Jesus by your flesh, because you don't end up doing it. You do what you don't want to do. This, of course, is reminiscent of Paul's famous passage in Romans 7, 15 through 23, which I will now read. For I do not understand what I am doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So you see the new man in Paul. I'm assuming in Romans 7 that he's converted. I know a lot of people say he's not converted, but just for humor me, let's assume he's converted and he's saying, okay, the new man in Christ says, hey, that's a good thing that I not be jealous of my co-worker who got promoted and I didn't. That's a good thing. I agree with it. But I'm still jealous because I'm doing what I don't want to do. The flesh makes you do what you don't want to do. The new man knows what's right and what's wrong. 17, so now I'm no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. Notice that it is something that is in him like poison. Sin is not him, but it's living in him. It's not He's not a sinner, but the sin is in him, because the sin is the flesh that li that's in him. Verse 18, For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Which is exactly what Paul says here in Galatians 5.17. You don't do what you want to do. Continuing in Romans 7, verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin that lives in me. Again, the distinction between who you are and you man in Christ, born again, perfect, new creation, but there's sin in you that lives in you, but it is the sin that lives in me that's causing him to do that sin. Verse 21, so I discover this principle, when I want to do what is good, evil is with me. For in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body. That's his flesh. Waging war against the law of my mind, that's his new man, taking the, me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. So again, there's the conflict between flesh and new man. It's a contrast which, unfortunately, a lot of people don't make too often. I wish they would, because there's not an old man that's causing that sin. The old man was crucified. It's the flesh, which is not who you essentially are. It's an alien presence in your life, and you can get rid of an alien presence just like you can get rid of a coronavirus. Let me go back and pick out some phrases in that passage in Romans 7:15 through 23 that shows that it's sin in you, but it's not that you are evil, but it's evil is in you. But nowhere does Paul say that you are evil, because you're not. You're a new man. He says there's sin living in me. You do, you do, not, you do what you don't want to do. The sin lives in you. The evil is with you. You see, it's just like poison. You've got to get rid of the poison, but you don't get rid of yourself. You're a new creation formed in Christ Jesus. We have an alien evil living in us. We need to get rid of it. We go to Galatians 5, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. All right, the first two verses, 
in our section here, verses 16 and 17, contrasted flesh and spirit. Now we are contrasting law and spirit. Law is bad, spirit is good. If you're led by the spirit, which means walking in the spirit. Now, let's point out something here. I'm going to point out to you that flesh and law are intimately and intricately linked together. Law and flesh are intricately linked together. Verse 17 which we just read, says that flesh and spirit are totally in conflict. Let me read it again. Verse 17, For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. So there you have spirit and flesh opposed to each other. Then we go to verse 18, and we have law and spirit totally opposed to each other. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. So now if you have flesh opposed to the spirit, and you have law opposed to the spirit, then that shows that both flesh and law are opposed to the spirit, and it doesn't absolutely logically show that flesh and law are together, but practically speaking, the two are related together, and there's a reason for that. If I want to steal money, what do I have to do? I have to use my flesh. The law says don't steal. All right, I want to break the law, so I use my fl flesh to do it. Or let's say I want to keep the law. Let's, let's do it that way. I want to keep the law. The, the law says I need to make restitution after I've stolen something. Well, how do I keep the law? With my flesh. I put my hand on the money and hand it to another person. So it's what you do under your own strength and power. And so Paul uses that metaphor to show the act of people trying to keep the law under their own power. Now, there's another sense of flesh, too, is when you use your flesh to go out and sin, like when you steal the money. That's the, that's the easy use of the flesh. We all know that. But but really, Paul is talking about the other use of the, of flesh here in this Galatians book more he's talking about trying to do good under your own motion under your own power that's what he's talking about that's the flesh he's talking about and you can't be good doing that you can't be led by the spirit doing that all right so let me repeat verse 17 flesh and spirit are totally in conflict verse 18 the law and the spirit are totally in conflict therefore flesh and the law are both opposed to the spirit and there's a re logical reason for that, because flesh and law are tied together. You operate in the flesh, you're operating in the law. You're trying to do good according to whatever law you're operating under. In our case, in modern-day America, or, or the modern-day world, it's not the Mosaic law that we're trying to keep. If we're a Christian, we might be trying to keep evangelical traditions and things like that. I'm not going to drink that wine. Oh, it looks good, but I'm not going to drink it. Whatever. I'm going to go to church on Wednesday night, because by golly, that's what we're supposed to do. Now, this opposition of spirit and law, this in Galatians 5.18, is paralleled by the opposition of law and grace. In other words, in, other words, in Galatians 5.18, law and spirit are opposed. In Romans 6.14, law and grace are opposed, which shows that spirit and grace tend to go together. Romans 6.14, for sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. Let's do a logical transformation on that verse. For sin will rule over you because you are under law, but not under grace. That's perfectly logical equivalent, and it shows that you want to quit sinning. You better get out from under the law, because if you are under the law, you will sin. Paul says in Galatians 5.18, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He says in Romans 8.14, all those led by God's Spirit are God's Son. So you want to be a son, you're not under the law. If you want to be a son and a full heir, you are not locked up under the law, locked up under stewards and guardians in a testamentary guardianship situation where the inheritance is not yours yet. No, you're under grace. It, the freedom is all yours. 
All the great, everything is yours. Let me read that again. Romans six fourteen. For sin will not rule over you. Would you like to be free from sin? Well, sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. But if you want sin to rule over you, it's because you are under law, but not under grace. You have a choice. Law or grace. What's it going to be? Spirit or law? Spirit or flesh? Let me read another relevant scripture about the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 2, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law, the law of sin and death. So they're keeping the law, the Mosaic law, as Paul is uh, telling these Judaizers in the Galatian churches not to do. That Mosaic law leads to what? Sin and death. But life in Christ Jesus, the Spirit's law, which again, law there is used in an ironic sense because there is no law of the Spirit, but life in the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus has set you free. So there's another contrast, freedom and slavery. But at any rate, in Romans 8, 2, we have opposition of spirit and we have the opposition of law. That's just like in Galatians 5, 18. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. There's the fundamental conflict between law and spirit in Galatians 5, 18 and also in Romans 8, 2. We go now to Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, why is he talking about flesh here? Because he's talking about law. He's opposed to the Judaizers, as I've, as I've said, flesh and law are together. And, he, and he, what he's saying is, hey, you want to do all these terrible stuff? Get under the law. And then you'll do the works of the flesh, and this is what you're going to end up like. Now, why would you want to do that? Now, Paul has other lists of vices, too. They're standard list. If you think about it, all the stuff that I just read is the same stuff that people do today. People are people. So it doesn't matter what epoch, what era, what time doesn't matter what race or ethnic group, what gender, which nationality. We all sin in much the same way. I mean, all this stuff here that I just listed sounds like a University of South Carolina fraternity. When I was at Carolina, they did all this stuff. Doesn't There's nothing new under the sun when it comes to sin. Paul list has other list of vices also. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived in no sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. Fundamental difference between darkness and light. Ephesians 5.5 5, For no one recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an adulterer does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Messiah and of God. Again, you can notice these sins can be kind of more summarized. Sexual sins, money sins, greed, and idolatry. And maybe also uh, slander, talking bad about other people. Revelation 22:15. outside, outside the kingdom, the New Jerusalem, are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. Dogs, of course, is not, not a sin to be a canine. I'm going from my memory here. I think that has something to do sexually, and I think it has something to do with homosexuals, but I can't remember. But at any rate, you get the idea. All that stuff comes from the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. And Paul is trying to contrast the flesh with walking in the Spirit. 
and he's trying to shoot at the Judaizers, the legalists who he's opposing. They're pushing law, these legalists are, and flesh and law are intimately connected. As I've just finished saying in verses 17 and 18, law is opposed to the spirit and flesh is opposed to the spirit, so law and flesh are intimately connected. So if you push law, you're going to get all these kinds of sins. And this is what Paul's aiming at. We tend to take that verse out of context and, and, and say, yeah, see there Paul's saying be good. Yeah, he's saying be good, but his his deeper point is the reason that there's all this sin is because you people are pushing the law rather than grace. And by the way, in this list of sins, I don't believe that these sins are mutually exclusive. I think they overlap. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, and promiscuity all overlap a good deal. Strife and outburst of anger kind of overlap. Hatreds. Now, Paul has given the bad news. Now he gives the good news. In the law, under the law, you have all this bad stuff. Now, let's talk about the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, Paul gives other lists of virtues also. In 2 Corinthians 6, 6, he says, By purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love. Ephesians 4, 2, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love. Ephesians 5, 9, For the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. So all of those lists of sins and virtues are easily understood and and are basic, essential. Not very complicated. Now, notice this shedding of the law. Paul has been very much against law. It does not lead to antinomianism because it leads to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, etc. So there's no antinomianism here. Notice also the difference between works and the works of the law and the fruit of the Spirit. The law, the law makes you work to keep it, but the Spirit just grows the fruit organically. Keeping the law is something you have to work at. You have to do the works of the law. But if you want to grow fruit, you just let it grow. It grows naturally. So you let the Spirit work in your life, putting to death the deeds of your flesh. And by golly, love, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, kindness comes from the Holy Spirit. Note that the list of virtues are usually shorter than the list of sins. And some people say that that shows how rich our vocabulary is to describe sins because we're so familiar with sins. I don't know about that. I mean, it could be just the way you you categorize things, come up with different lists. So I wouldn't go that far. But some people like to do it. Jameson Fawcett Brown says, Paul enumerates 17 works of the flesh and only nine manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know if that means anything. I just mention it for the sake of completeness. The NIV Study Bible here says, this verse shows that Christian character comes through the Holy Spirit and not by law-keeping. Well, of course. Now, there's one little phrase here that's a little, a little puzzling here. Paul mentions all these fruit, all this fruit of the Spirit, and then he says, against such there is no law. Why would he say that? Against such there is no law. Well, of course there's no law against love, so why would he say that? Well, I think what he's saying is, is you Judaizers and legalists have been talking about law all the time. You ought not to do this. You ought not to do that. No, 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 no. And Paul's saying, you don't need to worry about law 
if you just love somebody, you, you don't have to worry about there being a law against anything. There's, you don't have to be, worry about a law against hate because you're going to love automatically if, as the Spirit grows in you. And so all these Judaizers who are constantly talking about law, 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 hey, you don't have to worry about law when, you, when you're walking in the Spirit. And, of course, there is no law against love, against joy and peace. So just be loving, be joyous, and be peaceful and quit worrying about law. I still think it's a little strange way of saying it, to be honest with you, but Paul a lot of times says things that I wouldn't have put it that way. But he's the inspired apostle. I'm not. Notice that in these list of fruits, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Love is at the very first of the list. It's at the head. You love, and by golly, all that other stuff's going to take care of itself. You love, you're going to have joy, peace, long-suffering, and gentleness, and so forth. All right, let me make one more comment about one of these fruit of the Spirit, or fruits of the Spirit. I, I remember I've heard people say it's fruit singular, it's not plural. Well, I'm not going to quibble over that, okay? So temperance is one of the fruits of the Spirit. What does temperance mean? According to John Gill, temperance refers both to sobriety and chastity. In other words, no wine and no women, unless she's your wife, or unless the wine is in moderation. Let me make one more comment about what Paul says here when he says, against all these fruits of the Spirit, there is no law. What he's saying here is that law, there is law against the evil works of the flesh, but there is no law against the fruit of the Spirit. So since there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit, let's do what's legal and produce a lot of fruit. And of course, law does have a proper use against evil works of the flesh for non-Christians. 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 10, we know that law is not meant for a righteous person. See, non-Christians, remember I said non-Christians. Law is not meant for a righteous person, i.e. Christians, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their father and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral and homosexuals, for kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching. So yeah, law keeps sinners from completely destroying themselves. But that's not how we get holy as Christians. We go down to Galatians 5, 24 through 26. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. There's again the contrast between flesh and spirit, which we've seen over and over again here. Verse 17 has, uh, shows the conflict between flesh and spirit. Galatians 5.17 says this, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. What's opposed to each other? Flesh and spirit. Flesh against the spirit. Spirit against the flesh. Okay, that's Galatians 5.17. Well, that's the same conflict that Paul is talking about in verses 24 and 25 he mentions first in verse 24 you've crucified the flesh and then in verse 25 we live by the spirit so we kill the flesh and as a result we live by the spirit so there's the contrast between flesh and spirit so verse 17 contrast flesh and spirit which are opposed to each other verses 24 and 25 contrast flesh and and spirit they're opposed to each other and going back to verse 18 in galatians 5 18 but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. There's a contrast between the law and the Spirit. So both flesh and law are opposed to Spirit. That means flesh and law go to each other. You try to keep the law with your flesh. You're not being led by the Spirit. And if you're not being led by the Spirit, 
You're going to sin and you're going to die. You're going to be slaves to your passions and desires. And then Paul says in 26, we must not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Here's another thing that's going to happen when you get up under the law and you cannot pass crucify your passions and desires because you're not living under the Spirit, but according to the law like these Luke Judaizers want you to live. You know what's going to happen to you guys? You're going to get conceited. I'm keeping the law better than you are. You're going to provoke one another. You need to be doing this, brother. You're a sinner because you're not doing this, brother. Envying one another. Oh, gee. He did such a good job in keeping the law. I wish I could do it. Legalism is death, death, death. Stay away from it. Do not play with it. Get rid of it like you would get rid of a loaded pistol aimed at your temple. Now, notice Paul says that we must not become. He is not saying that the Galatians had already done that, but he's saying they're tempted by it because of those Judaizers. So they're liable to end up in trouble. He's just warning them. He's not condemning them for something they've already done. Ladies and gentlemen, I have now finished Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26, which is talking about walking in the Spirit and not by the flesh. We will finish up Galatians in our next audio when we take up chapter 6. In chapter 6, Paul will talk about bearing one another's burdens as Christians. I hope you stay tuned for that audio, and I hope you enjoyed this one.